we're in Advent. It's uh, probably one of my favorite seasons for the church of the whole entire year. Advent is this time where we consider uh, the time between Jesus's two arrivals to this earth. So he's come once already. He's inaugurated or begun a season of an age that we're living in now, but he has also yet to consummate that age fully. We live in this time where, yes, there is hope, but there is not hope to the full. There is peace, but there is not peace uh, unfiltered completely. There is joy. There is love. We live in this in-between space. And so for this series, we've been considering how we have these elements of Advent. How do we have hope and peace and joy and love in an age where those things don't seem to be so readily available? So last time we talked about hope in an age of despair. This week we'll consider peace in the age of anxiety. Um, And to do this, I want to start with Luke chapter 2. We'll be here briefly and then we're going to jump over to the book of Philippians. Um, But before we read, you can open up Luke chapter 2 if you have it. Um, Last week we said one of the things that we want to mark this season for us as a church is is a bunch of stories just hearing what God has been up to in our community. And so we've been actually after this all year, but um, we have outside of those doors right there, we, last week we had 223 different candles lit in our hallway, each representing a testimony, somebody declaring that God has done something in them or through them this year. And each one of those has a story attached to it. We added 50 more candles to that this last week as you guys turned in stories. And I just want to say, there might be another story that God wants to do even today. Day. There's maybe a story that you've been sitting on that you haven't turned in yet, but what we want to do when we testify is we want to proclaim and give glory to God for what he has done, and we want to ask him to do it again. That's, that's part of the roots of this idea of telling a testimony, is we're on the one hand glorifying God, and on the other hand we're saying, God, won't you do this more? Won't you keep going at work here? And so if you don't mind, I'd love to read a couple of these stories for you this morning. Um, And it doesn't matter if you mind or not, because I have the microphone and you don't. (laughs) There was a time that I was going through a season of desperate loneliness. God used that time to teach me how to seek him first and that he is my only comfort. When I felt like I had no one, I learned that I had him. He gave a sort of restoration to my soul that I'd never known before. People will come and go, but my God will never leave my side. I thank him for helping me learn that he is my rock and my strong tower and for teaching me how to be his. As a divorced Christian woman, I've struggled with whether God would ever use me in his kingdom again. Recently, God has brought me into a path of a dear Christian sister who is struggling after a 40 plus year marriage has ended in betrayal and divorce. God has given me love and compassion for this precious lady. He has given me opportunity opportunity to share my parts of my story through the trauma of divorce, pointing to the never-ending faithfulness of God and his healing power throughout that chapter of my life. Jesus is restoring what the locust has devoured. Praise God. All glory to God during this Christmas season. I'm reminded anew of the amazing love of our heavenly father in sending his precious son, Jesus, and the blessed Holy Spirit. There's so many of these, I had a hard time picking through which ones would um, be great to share with you guys because there's so many good ones. Um, but I love, I love this one as well. I struggled with my skin, breakouts, and acne for years. I was in a constant state of trying to figure out what I could do to help. I tried pretty much everything out there from every skincare line to drinking celery juice every morning. I didn't even know that was helpful. Um, but apparently it's worth a try. Nothing seemed to help until one evening I felt the Lord tell me to stop using a topical cream that I was using at the time. While I didn't see my skin clear immediately, over the span of about nine months, my skin slowly started to heal. Now listen to this part. And as much of an answer to prayer that was in itself, 
I also noticed the freedom in letting go after years of trying so hard. He gave me so much peace in place of a constant state of worry. He is so faithful and good. I love that. Like God, God does care even about your complexion of your skin. Absolutely. Um, check this one out. While praying for the Lord to forgive my past sins that I know he already had, he took them from my mind. How many of you want to receive something like that? on a morning like this morning. He blotted them out to the point that I lost my thought and I could finally breathe deeply. He made my forgiveness fully known, taking the memories from me. God is so good. I, I've, we've been having the kids turn in stories too down in elementary ministry. And so I thought I'd read a couple of theirs too because they're just awesome. Um, this first week of December, my friend and I got into a fight. I love that. It's real life. Adults don't talk like that, you know? <laughs> kids are raw. They're real. We got into a fight, and it took me a few days to forgive her, you know? And after two days, God helped me forgive her, and then we had a sleepover. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's good stuff. I am seven years old, and I am thankful for my family. Isn't that sweet? Some of y'all are wishing your seven-year-old would talk to you like that, huh? <laughs> Might have been your seven-year-old that wrote that. You don't know. Listen to this one. This is an elementary school kid. God has been with me since day one, even though sometimes it's hard with consistently being harshly bullied to the point of having anxiety and panic attacks that leave me exhausted. But I go to Jesus as soon as I can because I know that he is a safe place for me. Isn't that beautiful? Praise God. I, just, I could just do this all service, huh? That'd be almost better than the sermon probably. Don't comment on that, all right? <laughs> We're still gonna keep going. I just don't want anyone in this room to underestimate how powerful your story is or can be as, as you share it. Your story is only going to be powerful if you actually let it out there uh, in for other people to hear, other people to receive. And so if you've been sitting on one, if you've been considering sharing out a friend who's like, man, I got a story to turn in. I'm like, why have you not done that yet? I thought we were friends. <laughs> I have given you opportunities all year and you haven't done it yet. Okay. We'll have a chance at the end of the service today. But this week, peace. I want to talk about peace, specifically peace in the age of anxiety. Um, there's a great story, Luke chapter two, you're familiar with it, but I want to read it today as we kind of anchor our hearts in the arrival of Jesus and thinking about this idea of peace. It says this starting in verse eight, it says, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keep, field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And I just want to submit to you that this would have been a really uh, dark and probably a really depraved scene. Shepherds weren't known as having the most glorious of jobs back in the day. Uh, they were probably a rough group of blue collar men, if you could think about it that way today. And here's what I know about blue collar guys. Uh, they, don't, they don't talk with a kind of language that's really appropriate for church. So I just want to like, I want to lay before you the imagery that these guys were, were having just a regular night out on the field and it would have been nighttime, which back in that day, in Jesus's day, that would have been like dark, dark. We're not talking about ambient city light here. We're talking about darkness, about like out in the woods, out in the hills somewhere. And as they're around the fire, enjoying this evening, it says an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. So now what you have is you have this peaceful scene where light is interrupting and breaking through and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy and that will be uh, for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And so we have this scene that we're gonna sing about here in just a couple weeks on Christmas Eve. One of my favorite moments of the entire year with you as, as, as a church, as a community is where we all light candles and we sing silent night together. 
and it's a silent night. It's a holy night, and all is calm, and all is bright. Except for on this night, the shepherds, they were having one of those moments. An angel interrupts that peaceful moment, right? And all of a sudden it says in the next verse, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so I just want to submit to you here that as we, as we march towards Christmas and whatever kind of hurried pace that looks like for your family, as we get there, j- let's just acknowledge and remember that while we reflect on this, the peaceful arrival of this little baby, and there's so much beauty in that, so much wonder in that, there's also a complete rift that is happening in the spiritual world. And, and some, I keep joking about it. One of the years we're going to preach on uh, Christmas out of the book of Revelation and talk about the, the dragon that is laying at the feet of Mary waiting to devour her baby as he enters the world. Like there's this spiritual chaos that is happening all around. And in this very moment, there is peace in the midst of that chaos. An angel speaks and he says, peace and goodwill towards, the, towards those who, with whom he is pleased. And it's chaos and it's peace. And that is the world that we live in today. There is this chaos all around us. There are wars and rumors of more wars. And yet we are sitting here going, there is a way that you can experience peace that is not just disconnected from those problems, but is transcendent through those problems. And that's what I want to talk about with you today. I think so often we we stop searching for peace just short before we experience the full thing. And what that made me think of was uh, playing hide and go seek with my kids earlier this week. Um, I know, weird transition, right? But I was... Earlier this week, we had a free night, and you know how evenings are going at this point in the winter where it's like 5.30, and you're like, is it, is it bedtime yet? <laughs> and it's not socially acceptable to put your kids in bed at like 5 o'clock in the evening, you know, even though it's dark outside, and you've already had dinner, and you're like, well, what do, we, <laughs> what do we do now, you know? And so our youngest was like, hide and seek. And it was like, yeah, that'll pass the time. Let's do it. That sounds great. And I, like, I don't know if you've played hide and seek recently. I know I'm speaking to a lot of people who are probably a little out of touch with your hiding and seeking days, but I, uh, I don't hide well. I just don't. Like, there's not, there's not a great spot for me in my house where I, I'm not seen. Like, those are the rules. You got to stay inside and, like, you put me in a closet. I, I'm, most of the time when the counter is counting for me is me frantically going, like, nope, don't fit there, and I keep going somewhere else. Like, I just don't fit. But my five-year-old, on the other hand, she's, like, she's so compact. We were, we were running through the house trying to hide from somebody, and I was like, you should get in the dryer. Like you, you could fit. I wish I could get in the dryer, but you could fit in the dryer. Nobody's going to look there. That'll be the most amazing spot. She won around hiding in the dryer because she's just that small. And so one of the rounds, I'm, I'm the seeker. I'm looking, you know, and going to my closet and the bottom shelf of our closet is all of our like hoodies and sweaters and stuff. And they're all, they're all askew. They're all jacked up, which is like, you know, little kids, they think they're hidden when they're just doing this. You know, they're like, it's the cutest thing, right? They're like, I can't see you, so you can't see me. And it's like, yeah, okay, well, you just think that's the, the way the world works, you know? But it's Harper. She's in there, and she has the sweaters all pushed out. And so I just, oh, I'm like, hey, there you are. But what I, what I didn't notice at first, and I wouldn't have noticed had there not been like this teeny little giggle out of the corner of the closet, was that Haven was tucked all the way back in that thing. And I think that's sometimes how we arrive at peace. The world is offering this like shallow version of peace that's right there, and it's available. And it's actually pretty easy to come by. But there's something deeper that's harder to get at. And there's something that God wants to offer to every single person in this room. Peace as the world defines it, it's just the absence of problems or the absence of violence. And the only problem with that is all the situations where you find yourself absent of problems or absent of of violence, they're all temporary scenarios. So let's like look through some of these pictures here real quick. Just, just, I want to see, I want to know our church a little bit. Which one of these just gives you the most peace, right? How many of you, you're like, that's me. 
I'm beachward bound. If I, if I need some peace, you know, put a, put a drink in my hand, put, give me a chair and I'll sit down. Like that's just, that's it right there. Listen to the waves. All right, the next slide. Come on. Who's, who's going, where are my hunting dads at in the room, right? You're like, let me go hide from everyone. Like nobody's going to find me there. That's what I want to be. Some of you, peace looks like this. You're just trying to get out, get out in the world. Look at that. I mean, it's stunning. It's beautiful. The only problem with this picture is that there's a guy in the picture, right? Like if he's not there. I'm like, I'm in, I'm in, man. Put me there. Just drink it all in. Sit in the quiet. What, okay, here. I got the dads maybe with hunting. Moms, what about you guys with this one? Oh, <laughs> gosh. I felt the moms just like well with a heavenly tongue. You know what I mean? I just like, okay, as, as I mean, we have three kids in our house. Does anyone's kitchen ever actually look like that all the time? There's no, I mean, that's like showroom floor. Like there has not been a single soul who's lived in that kitchen yet. You know what I mean? That's incredible. Here's the thing though. You go back through the pictures, you go to this one and I'm the kind of person, I'm, I'm more of a pool guy myself. I'm not really a beach guy. Like sand gets places that I don't want sand. You know, like I just, I don't like sand at all. I don't like playing with sand. I don't like when my kids play with sand. I'm like, get me out of the sand right now. Um, you know what also happens when you're on a vacation like that is the moment you get settled in, doesn't the clock start to tick? You're like, wait, how many days until we go home? Wait, okay. That thing that I left at work, is that, is that going to get done? I mean, you can feel that, that picture looks peaceful, but you can feel that like, it's not going to actually settle my soul. If you go to the next picture, like that detachment's great. And I love getting to a place where my cell phone doesn't work, but isn't the disconnect from our cell phone also like a little anxious? Maybe for some of you, it's not. For others of you, it's like, man, I, what if that email comes through and I didn't get it in time? I didn't see that thing. I, didn't, I couldn't respond. I couldn't get there. I didn't know. You go to the next one. I got hiking's great and everything until you like factor in the bugs that are probably flying around that dude right now, you know? Like there's bugs, he forgot enough water or he brought too much water and it's getting heavy. Like there's just so many problems that could be going on in that one. What about this next one? Like the kitchen is the easiest one to pick on because your kitchen only looks like that for one moment of the day and then your kids wake up and it's over. Like here's, here is my problem with peace that the world is trying to offer you is that peace that is associated with the presence of problems or the disconnect of problems ultimately makes you a slave to the circumstance that is giving you peace. And so even like the vacation, you're seeing that as an escape from the life you're living. And at best, you're getting out for a few days and you're disconnecting and you're getting a little fresh wind in your sails and you're getting back to the work. But at worst, you're trying to escape from the life that God has given you and he's wanting to give you a peace that settles you throughout the storms, come what may. That's the real kind of peace that God wants to offer you, is one that's not contingent on the presence or the location of problems in your life, but he wants to bring peace into your soul that transcends those problems. And where we find that in scripture is in Philippians chapter four. So I'd love to turn there and spend the rest of our time here today. Philippians chapter four, if you're somebody in this room who, who battles anxiety, you battle depression, you have other maybe kind of mental health things that are going on. The first lie that God, that, that the enemy would love to tell you this morning is that you can't be a Christian while simultaneously struggling with those things. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. What does David write all over the Psalms? It's like, my, my bones are wasting away when I kept my sin. And what he's saying there is like, I was super anxious like depression creeps into the Psalms, anxiety creeps into the Psalms. And if you buy the lie from the devil that you can't be a Christian and struggle with these things, then you're never gonna make any headway on it. 
you have to accept right now that you can be a Christian while struggling with these things. What I want to do is I want to give you some, some blueprint, some template of how you can walk through anxiousness in the middle of all these things going on in your life, and you can still arrive at the destination of peace. If, if modern science is correct, you can look up uh, stats on anxiety pretty easily online, and there's anywhere between 30 to 50% of the United States population admits to struggling with anxiety in the last year. So the other lie of the enemy is that you're the only one who's going through this, and that would absolutely be a lie. It actually gets worse the younger you get, 18 to 35-year-olds, it's 50 to 60% of that demographic is going to struggle with anxiety in any given calendar year. I mean, we could point to the rise in use of medication, the rise in need for medication, the rise in use for therapy. All of these things just point to the fact that our culture is promising to arrive peace with this gospel of upward mobility. We talked about this last week, if you missed it. The gospel, according to American-mindedness, uh, is that life will just get incrementally better and better and better until you finally retire, and that's kind of the pinnacle, but then you'll die. That's the gospel, according to America. And so you, you get the starter job and the starter job gives you a promotion to a new job and maybe you go to college and you get the better job. And then all of that allows you to kind of put some set money aside in your retirement and that account just sort of gets bigger and bigger and bigger until one day your house is paid off, you're in the dream place, you don't have to work anymore and now you can finally do the things that you always want to do and you can travel and you can go see your grandkids and you can do all this stuff. But what if that's not how life goes? There's so much loss of peace even in this room today because you put some hope, like we talked about, in that system and it's failed you. You're not as far as you thought you were going to be. You're like, I'd love to have grandkids, but that's, that doesn't even look like it's in the picture for us at this point. See, peace is fragile if we chase it according to the world's standards, but God has peace to give you this morning. He starts in Philippians chapter 4 in verse 2. It says, I entreat Eodia... And I entreat Syntic, Syntic to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, when I first started putting this sermon together, I wasn't going to include that portion of scripture, but I noticed something. And that's what's common in a lot of Paul's writings is that he anchors a lot of his writing in relationship. And I think that's something we can't miss in our pursuit of peace is that the friends that you are around a lot of the time, they matter in the state of anxiousness or peacefulness in your soul. You can read the proverb that looks like this. You maybe are familiar with this proverb. You're certainly familiar with the concept of this proverb. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. What this is saying is show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Society has this well documented, and it's only documented because it's true in Scripture. But it's that, man, you will have probably the, around the median income, you probably have the median amount of kids, the same size house, the same kind of job as your closest five relationships in the next 10 years. That's just socially true at this point. And what the proverb is saying is that exactly. If you want to get, if you want to get wise, get around wise people, walk with wise people. If you want to keep making like dumb knuckleheaded decisions, there's plenty of those people around too that you can hang out with. And if you want peace, you should do an inventory of all of your closest relationships and ask yourself, are those people a non-anxious presence in my life? Or are they actually participating in all of the gossip, all the conspiracy, all the, all the worry, all the strife, all the anger, all the division? Are, are those the kinds of people you're hanging out with? And, and, and the thing that I'm not saying here right now is that if those are the people that are in your life, that you should just cancel those relationships. I'm just saying you should guard the input they have into your soul. 
Does that make sense? Like, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That, that, that is a biblical principle that we see unfolded. And so if you want peace, my question for you is, do you have friends who have that disposition of steady resolve? Who don't get fired up about this, that, and the other thing, but they have this steadiness to them. You need some friends like that in your life. And if you don't have friends like that, be that friend to the people around you in your life. Okay, we keep reading to now what was going to be, you know, my actual sermons. So that, that point was free. You're welcome. <laughs> Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Now, what Paul's giving us here is he's giving us a framework to say, come what may around me in life circumstances. James writes about this too, right? Consider it pure joy when you encounter trials of many kinds. But what, what's not being said in the Bible is that you have to be happy that you have problems. No, but what this is saying is it's saying you have the ability to focus on Jesus or on the problem. And so what this, this is saying here, what Paul's writing for us is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Guess what? You always have a reason to praise God. I don't care what life looks like right now. He has ransomed you from the pit of hell. He has wiped your sins clean. He has blotted your sin out as far as the east is from the west. He's declared you innocent, not just declared you innocent, but he's called you his own. He's adopted you, grafted you into the family. So now that you have the benefits of a son or a daughter, and it's not just all of that, but he is preparing an eternal place for you where you're going to live forever, free of sickness, free of pain, free of regret, free of shame. That sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? And I'm not using that as a cheap cop-out. I'm just saying what Paul is saying, keep your eye on, is keep your eye on what Jesus has done. Don't give too much attention to the problems that are facing you. You want peace? Rejoice in the Lord. Rehearse the story of what he's done. Remind yourself of where he's brought you from and what he has planned for you going forward. It says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And then it ends with this, the Lord is at hand. I love that Paul reminds us that Jesus is not just some spiritual advisor to our life. He's a reigning and ruling king. Lord Jesus, when you have that imagery of Jesus as, as the Lord, as the judge, as the king of all kings, that settles your soul in a different kind of way than just sweet eight, out, eight pound, 10 ounce baby Jesus, right? Ricky Bobby in the room. There you go. <laughs> like the baby, Jesus coming to this earth, the incarnation, that, that tells us a kind of thing about who our God is. But when we see him come again, just to remind you, he's not coming back as a baby. He's coming back as a reigning king, sitting on top of a horse, as a sword coming out of his mouth, his blood's dipped in, or his robe's dipped in blood, and he has a tattoo on his thigh, and he's ready to roll. That gives me peace, knowing that he's the judge and I'm not, knowing that he's in charge and I'm not. The Lord is at hand. What this reminds me to remind all of you, because I had to remind myself first, is that the more that I operate in line with God's ways, the more that I will find peace in my heart. And the more that I rebel from God, and the more that I turn from his good right ordering of his kingdom as a king, the more I'm going to stir up anxiety in my own heart. You want to know a real anxious spot to be? Make a bunch of bad decisions and then conceal those decisions from the friends around you. And that's going to lead to a lot of anxiety in your heart. That's a, a quickest way to rob you from any sense of peace in your life. The kingdom's ways, though, is even when I make mistakes, I turn and I confess it openly. I have brothers and sisters that I trust. And I bring that into the light. I bring it into the light of Christ. And I go, God, would you wash me of this? And he's faithful and just to do so. And that's a great way to live with peace. 
the Lord is at hand. Colossians 3.15 reminds me of this all the time. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. This, this picture here of letting the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, it's how people are always coming and asking me like, how do I, how do I know, Austin, if I, should, if I should take this job or take that job? How should I know if I should uh, be with this person or be with that person? Should I do this for school or go there for school? And I would say, what brings you peace? Not what makes the most sense in your head. Not what makes sense on paper. I'm not telling you just to make a Venn diagram and see what the logical decision is. I'm saying pray on it and see which direction God gives you peace in. You know how many people I've talked to where they're like, I, I have no idea why I'm making this decision other than it gives me peace. And I would say, that's, that's enough. That's enough. Let the, peace, let the peace of Christ be the umpire in your heart is a great way to understand this. Let him call the balls and strikes. Let him determine what's right and what's wrong. Follow after him and his promise is to give you peace. So we jump back now to Philippians. We're reminded that Jesus is Lord. He's reigning and ruling. And as we follow after him, he is going to give us peace. We listen to him. We're open to him. But in Philippians 4, 6, it says this. Do not be anxious about anything. And those of you that have anxiety are now anxious that Paul just said that to you. You know, you're like, thanks, Paul. <laughs> you're anxious? Stop. And you're like, oh, okay, I don't know how. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So for those of you in the room who are battling anxiousness, battle anxiety, lack peace, here's what I would ask you. How is your prayer life? Is it, is it existent? Like, do you pray consistently? You should be praying every single day at different times throughout the day. There should be, there should be prayer in your heart, if you, especially if you're struggling with anxiousness, but for every single person in this room, there should be time in your prayer life where you're just going, God, what do you want to speak to me? And there should be time of listening prayer. It's not all just you talking, right? There's time of you going like, God, what do you want to say to me? I, I have been in this new pattern recently, but before I even like turn to put my feet on the floor, the alarm goes off, I shut it off, I sit there and I go, God, whatever you want from me today, I'm yours. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening is a verse that I'm just trying to rehearse in my own heart all the time. Speak to me, God, I'm listening, I'm yours. I belong to you. But that's not exactly what Paul's talking about here. No, Paul's saying in everything that you have going on in your brain that's causing you to be anxious, offer up prayer. Offer up supplication. What that means is like, get on your knees and contend with heaven. Beg God. Have that kind of posture where you just go, I'm not letting go until you bless me. That kind of idea. But you're praying and you're begging and you're asking. And what you're doing when you have this kind of posture in prayer is you're taking that thing that you're holding so tightly. God, I just really need my husband to change. God, I just really need this financial thing to work itself out. God, I really need this breakthrough with my relationship with my kids. And when you contend and when you offer up prayer and supplication, what you're doing is you're actually going like that. You're letting your heart let go of, here's the bad word this morning, control. I would argue that you lack peace a lot of times because you think you're in control. And I saw a study this week, I'm sure you can find online, that said we are in control of about 15% of what we think we're in control of. And I would argue to you this morning, it's way less than that. You think you're in control of your kids? You parent them in a certain way, guess what? They're still their own souls that make their own decisions. You're in control of their school because you homeschool them. Guess what? You're never gonna know what they get exposed to with other kids around them. You wanna be real this morning? You think you're in control of politics? Guess what? We're not. You wanna be in control of the economy? Guess what? You're not. 
You want, you want to do the best job you can to be financially free and set your family apart, do all the Dave Ramsey stuff? Guess what? You should do all that stuff and you're not totally in control of what, we ha- what will happen with your finances. You're not. You are in control of shockingly little. And even though that allows a little anxiety to creep into your heart, let me just remind you, Jesus is Lord and he's good. And, and what you're doing in prayer is you are, you are letting go of your ability to drive the outcomes that you think that you have in control of your life. And you just don't. And you're going, God, I don't know how this is going to happen. But here you go. And our simple thing that we are in control of is the response of going, God, come what may. Or like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, into the fiery furnace, our God will save us. But if not, I'd say that's what you're in control of is that attitude, that heart posture of going, God, I'm, I am, the word here is surrendered to you. Whatever you want to do, you do it. And that is an invitation to heavenly peace in your soul. The next thing we see is in verse seven. Offer everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. So, you will never experience the peace of God until your relationship with God is at peace. So until you come to the point of surrendering to God and you, because the Bible doesn't paint this picture of like us not knowing God is kind of like, oh, we're sort of morally neutral and God's just sort of up there and so we can recognize him or not. No, what the Bible says is that we are enemies of God. We're at enmity. There's strife between our relationship. And the only bridge from that strife is, is reconciliation through the person and work of Jesus Christ. That is the only way to get rid of our sin. And once you, once you have done that, once you've given your faith in Jesus over to him, you've laid your life down at his feet, he, he wipes your sin record clean, and now you have, you have peace with God, where he doesn't just call you stranger, he calls you a friend. And now you're invited into experiencing the peace of God. How's the peace of God different than the peace of the world? Well, the peace of the world depends on the problems that are around you that may or may not be there or how bad they actually are, how much money you have, how many vacations you've been on. That's peace from the world standards. The peace of God, it says right here, surpasses understanding. What does that mean? It means I have no, I have no means. I have no business feeling peace right now, but God's given it to me in this situation. How, how are you so steady? How are you so sure? I have the peace of God. That's how. I've talked to several of you in this room. Your, your, your kids have been through something horrible. Your marriage has been through something horrible. And you, what some people will say to me is, but I have a peace that it's going to be okay. That's not a peace of man or a peace of the world. That's the peace of God at work in you. And that peace guards your hearts and guards your mind in Christ Jesus. What that means is if I have this settled sense of peace, my heart is no longer being driven by emotions you ever get to that spot? It happens to me, especially as a dad all the time, where I realize, I think my emotions are more driving here than I want them to be. Yeah? And, and when you have the peace of God, what you're inviting is you're going, God, would you give me a settledness to my emotions so that I can think through this situation clearly, so I can feel through this situation clearly. It'll also guard your mind. I, I want to speak here specifically maybe to women for just a minute, a minute, because I know that right now you have 56 tabs open in your brain right now. And praise God, you have those things open in your brain right now because your husband or the guy across from you, he for sure doesn't have those tabs open in his brain, right? I saw, I saw this thing online recently where it was like, when guys go upstairs and they're tired and they go to bed, they, they wash their face, maybe, probably not. They brush their teeth, they go to the bathroom and they get in bed and what do they do? 
I go to sleep. <laughs> Women, can you believe that? Because most of the time, women, what you're doing, and I don't mean this in a sexist way, I'm not, that's not me at all. I'm just saying a lot of time, women, because you're, you're so wired for empathy and you're so wired for caring, you wash your face. You actually do wash your face, right? You brush your teeth. You get in bed. You're going, man, I just hope we're doing a good job parenting our kids. Man, I wonder if they're ever going to patch that relationship up. I know, like, I know Betty's been struggling a little bit down the road. I wonder if my job, am I actually in my career? Am I doing the right things? That we'll, am I actually providing this? And you just start rolling through this Rolodex of all these problems that you're trying to solve in your brain. And I'm just saying the peace of God wants to invade your mind as well. Not so that, it's not that you don't have those 56 tabs open, but the peace of God would give you a settled clarity to know what's a priority that I can work on right now and what is something that is not in my control and I don't have to worry about at this present time. How many of you, that, like that would be helpful for you? It's the peace of God, which is the missing link because it transcends understanding. I think clarity has become such a buzzword for some like new age spirituality. But I honestly believe that the peace of God, the best word to convey it is clarity. I know exactly what God's put me on this earth to do at this time. And I'm not gonna worry about all the things that are outside of my control. That's what the peace of God looks like. And so how do we, how do we get it? How do we hold it? How do we find it? He ends Philippians chapter four, this section like this. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. If there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So I'll tell you this. You steer your mind in a proper direction and it will drive you towards peace. But if you start getting off in the weeds, thinking about things that aren't of God, things that aren't lovely, things that aren't, that aren't true, that will drive you into a sort of mental chaos. But if you want peace, there you go. There are the bumpers. Orient your thoughts, orient your mind around those things. And what you have learned and received from me, he says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. You know what this says? Is that God does not require our perfection. He just requires that we are practicing towards him. And that's how you'll be given peace. Praise God, it's not perfection. We'd never have it. But he says, keep practicing these things. Keep, keep in touch with community. Keep rehearsing the fact that I am Lord of your life. Keep thinking in this kind of a way. Keep letting go of the things you can't control. Keep bringing things to me in steadfast prayer. And the God of peace will be with you. We're gonna receive communion now. So if you have it with you, go ahead and grab it. And the reason I wanted to do this together is because this, this, this is the moment where we're recognizing and we're taking hold of the peace that we have with God. And if you're, if you're in this room today and you don't know the person of Jesus, my invitation right now in this moment would be, God can grant you peace, but you have to surrender to him. And that's probably tied to a lot of your anxiety is actually letting go of the destination that you think your life is heading towards. But I just promise you the best trade you can make is letting go of your control and trusting that God has got you in the middle of all of it. And so as we take communion today, I'm reminded of this verse in 1 Corinthians 11, 24 and 25. We put it up every time we take communion. It's Jesus's words, the last supper. It says, this is my body, which is for you. So go ahead and grab the blood, or I'm sorry, grab the bread. We're just gonna pray simply, Jesus, we recognize this as your body. God, I pray just like that story testified at the beginning of the sermon today, that forgiveness wouldn't be a theological concept today, but would it be personally grasped by people in this room? Would we take hold of our forgiveness today? 
Would we understand that you have declared us innocent? You've paid the penalty for our sin. You have broken your body on our behalf. There's nothing we can add to it. You have paid the price for all of it. And so we receive the bread together today. It says that after that, he took the cup after supper and saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus, we know that what this juice is, it's the participation right now in the sacrifice that you've made for us and the ongoing salvation that you promise us as we cling to your grace, the new covenant of grace. We have nothing else to trust in other than your perfect sacrifice and your perfect resurrection. And so we receive your grace this morning together. I want to end this time with just some, some, some space for you to consider with the Holy Spirit some of these questions that are going to be on the screen. And I just want to ask humbly as your pastor, would you just let the Holy Spirit do his work right now? There's probably somewhere where you've, where you've been lacking peace in your life. There's probably somewhere that you've been trying to come about peace by your own means. And I just want to invite you right now that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he would give that to you and that you would receive it today because, because peace is a fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Love, joy, peace. So maybe part of your prayer right now is just going to be, Holy Spirit, would you grant me a heavenly peace that I have not seen in a while? Then I also just would love if you'd consider writing down a story. Like I said, we're trying to, we're trying to collect just as many as God is doing in this room right now. We're not trying to manipulate anything, but if he's done something recently, would you please just consider writing it down and you can turn it in in those baskets right outside those front doors. I want to give us probably four or five minutes here just in this moment. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Write something down if it comes to your mind. But Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and would you give your peace this morning. I, I want to I dismiss to be thoughtful for all the people who are working in children's ministry and some of y'all got your kids, but I want to take just another moment here because as we consider Advent, we're looking at, especially this year, this idea that the light of the world has come and he's not just come like arbitrarily, he's come to place these anchor pieces that we're talking about these weeks into people's souls so that we can take that with us and carry it out to the rest of the world around us. And so that last question, who, who could you be the peace of God to? I'd love for you just to leave here thinking with that in your mind. Would you stand if you're ready to dismiss? If you need to take an extra minute just sitting in this, I'd encourage you just to sit right where you're at. And I'd love the prayer team to come on down forward. Our prayer team, they have orange lanyards on. If you have any need for prayer of any kind this morning, I'd love for you to come and talk with them, meet with them. But especially if you're battling anxiousness, if you're someone who's just in desperate need of peace this morning, I'm asking if you'd be vulnerable enough, just to kind of posture your hands out in front of you like this. And I just would love to pray that the Holy Spirit would come and impart peace to you today. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would bring your supernatural peace in Jesus' name into this room. God, would your peace fall on somebody like it maybe hasn't before? Would they finally be able to let go of some of the things that have been just plaguing their mind? 
and would they just receive in in place of that a supernatural calm reassurance that you are God and you are at work and you are good right now in Jesus name would somebody just receive peace would it wash over them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet God I thank you for who you are for what you're doing and I pray that the peace that we've received today the hope that we've received God would it not just end here but would we take it with us to the rest of this week we take it with us wherever we're going from here we love you Jesus we want to glorify you in all that we do it's in your name we pray Amen.